welcome one and all to uh, PPUK podcast. Uh, tonight we've got a stripped down crew. Most of us are here, but we've got with us, we've got Paddy. Hello. We've got Andy. Hey, evening. And we've got Leah. Hi. We're missing Lee, but we've got myself, Chopin, as well. So uh, tonight we're going to do uh, a little bit of an earlier. This I think this is the earliest one we've reviewed so far, and it's Controversy. Controversial. Ooh. So we're going pre-revolution, pre-MPG, so we don't need to have any of those discussions this evening. <laughs> Controversy is the earliest neutral territory. But um, so... Who wants to take off their first impression of this album? Because I believe all of us here went back to listen to this after becoming Prince fans. So this is a retrospective listen for all of us, and it kind of as a kind of a even playing field. Well, I can, I can give you my my intro story to Controversy because it's quite quite specific. God. So yeah, I I got into Prince in. 88 and I had a friend at school having seen Purple Rain and I had a friend at school who gave me a copy of Purple Rain and Sign of the Times and Love Sexy which was an interesting experience because I obviously loved Purple Rain straight away Sign of the Times was really good and I didn't get Love Sexy straight away which is was part of the ultimately brilliant journey with that album but what that did uh, point me in the direction of doing was I thought well I'm going to start buying his stuff obviously so we had a record shop a little independent, grotty, but exciting sort of Aladdin's Cave record shop in Huddersfield called Big Tree Records. And I wandered in there and the lad, and I went, I, I very rarely do this in, in, in like a music capacity when I'm going to shops. In, in the past, pre, you know, pre-stream, this is quite a long time ago, technologically speaking. But I said, oh, well, I've just got into Prince. This is what I've heard so far. If you were to recommend a couple of albums, what would they be? So he didn't even hesitate and he brought out Dirty Mind and Controversy from behind the counter sort of thing, or to hand wherever they were, and said, right, try these. So I I went away and did just that and heard this uh, earlier magic of this guy coming into coming into being. And that was kind of how I heard it the first time. What about you, Shubs? This is one of those ones where I listened to, a friend had made a cassette of it, like a cassette copy of it. So I kind of listened to it without artwork, without liner notes, without context of whereabouts in the journey it may be. So I think I listened to this just after I listened to Parade. So it was kind of, um, he's going, okay, so you've listened to Parade. Have you listened to Controversy? It's like, no, I haven't listened to Controversy here. Listen to Controversy. And listening back to it, it was just like, okay, so this is quite, you know, again, another different sound, a more stripped down sound. It was like, so I've gone from quite a bombastic Prince that I'd been listening to for quite some time, like with, say, Symbol, Parade, even Come. It's they're quite big sounding. There's a lot going on. I hadn't been, and even with Purple Rain, there's one or two stripped down songs, but there's a lot going on. So this was one of those ones that was just like, okay, this is very stripped down. It's like kind of, I mean, I guessed right in thinking this must have been before all of that, but yeah, that was my initial my initial listen was like, this is different again. And I think I, 
I think I listened to it just before 1999. I can't remember which one I listened to first, but I remember having the first, the same kind of impression of them, of being, I should think these are, because I'm listening like mid-90s, I'm thinking, I should think these are dated, but I completely think they're cool. Yeah. Andy, what was your first listen? I'm trying to remember. I mean, I got into Prince on Sign of the Times for reals. And I've got a feeling that, you know, the, the first thing you do is play that thing to death. And the second thing you get do is, what else can I get? So you start looking for that through the back catalogue. And then it's always really interesting because you put, you find things that you had. Wow, he went from there to here where I came in on. And I've got a feeling that controversy, this might be a false memory, but it was quite cheap compared to some of the other ones on tape, like in HMV at the time, like controversy was like more like 349 and like around the world might have been more like 449. And, you know, uh, parade might have been more like 549. So you're like, hey, I can get this one. And I can get that other one dirty mind like and that, you know, and it's not too expensive when you're a kid. 349 is a lot of money. I remember there being a cassette where you could have Dirty Mind and Controversy on the same cassette, I believe. That is true. I um, I don't think I ever had that guy, but that that there was a double there was a double pack of those two albums. But like the fact that it was black and white, but it was cheap, it looked nasty. And oh, sorry, it's not black and white. I'm thinking of Dirty Mind, but it just looked garish, you know, and it looked kind of cheap and funky and like, what is this thing? And I know what it is. It was the fact that the tape wasn't... That's exactly what I'm thinking. The, the tape just had a picture of the square album sleeve on it and the rest of it's black. It was with black, the, yeah. So ah, like, that, yes. makes, that gives yeah. it this kind of really, like, almost dangerous, exciting, bootleg, dirty look. So I came to it like that. And I think it would... I mean, I'm about to get into the music, but that's fair because this album starts with a punch that just tells you, oh, hello, you're mine now, right? <laughs> so, like, whatever you were expecting, like, you've got you've got the sublimity of everything on Sign of the Times and he's gone around the musical, you know, stratosphere twice and a half on that album. And then you put controversy on. I wonder what he used to look be. Oh, okay. Techno before it existed. Great. <laughs> so we know that now, right? Uh, so I, I remember this as be, being like, yeah, okay. Dangerous, dirty side. That, that's where this bit of Prince came from. And years later, I wrote, I think this is the, a great way to start talking about controversy as well in the NME once did, I think it was NME, did a roundup of Prince's albums in the mid-90s and a retrospective and retrospective reviews. And whoever got the job of reviewing Controversy said, his first mad album. And I think that's absolutely right in that it, like, it introduces all the wacky kind of weird political funk stuff. that it, There's a hint of it on pa- Party Up on Dirty Mind. But mm. there, it is... But no, now we're talking about. Sorry, I've, that's my end. I, I think of controversy as Prince's first <laughs> Mad album. It was an. It added something new to the mix. Leah. Um. While you guys were talking, I was trying to think like what was my actual introduction. Um, my first introduction to Prince was the Purple Rain album and the Syracuse VHS. Um, And then after that, it was the 1999 album. And then 
the 80s albums after that came in a little cluster for me because when my dad realized that I was hooked on Prince because he listened to everything he has a really wide range taste like taste in music and I kind of hooked on Prince so when I used to go and see him I used to see him every other weekend there was a really big HMV in the train station where he used to meet me and as a little treat we used to go into HMV and look at the Prince section and every two weeks we'd buy a new Prince CD which very quickly became more and more challenging um, (laughs) to try and find one that we didn't have but after Purple Rain and 1999, it will have been in those clusters. There's a sale that they still do now, like two for a tenner, and it would have been one of those. But it's hard for me to talk about the impact it had because I I had all this music around me so often. So when people say statements like, oh, it's a weird album, or oh my God, when Dove's Cry didn't have a bass, like that's crazy. I'm like, I don't hear that because it was considered normal to me at the time. Because none of this was happening live for me. I wasn't around when Dust Cry came out or when Controversy came out. So it was just normal music that kind of surrounded me as a kid. But one thing that always strikes me about the album is I feel like if out of all of his early albums, I think you can pin pretty much everything he became is somewhere in that album, whether it be the lilac trench coat, whether it be the politics, whether it be the sounds, whether it be subject matters, it's all in there. I feel like the boy was becoming the man that we later known, and it's a really transitional album. Um, So that's one of the main things I remember, kind of going from Purple Rain back to that. I remember looking at the visuals and listening and going, oh, that's where this came from. That's how this happened. I think the word transitional really does fit in with this album so well. Just what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Does everyone here think that it's like of a it is a pair with Dirty Mind in their heads? Because I've always considered not the fact that it was put on the same tape once, but um, I always feel like sort Dirty of. Mind controversy. They're brother and sister, you know. But I think that the re- I think the reality is it it has as much sort of symbiosis with. 1999 in certain ways as it does with Dirty Mind and it's definitely a stepping stone. It's an adjoining piece. I mean, it's a devastatingly obvious thing to say. I, um, as, as you guys know, I've kind of been pushing to do the 1999 Deluxe version because a big part of that for me is the stuff in the from the studio that's on the Vault CDs. Basically, you can hear the songs that he did which were similar to stuff on Controversy and it was a possible direction but he decided not to do that direction. And uh, song number four, I think, had a considerable amount to do with the direction he went in, which is what we heard on... on uh, don't, Now, don't be looking now, listeners, you can see me. They're all looking. They're all looking. They should know which number four is. No, I wouldn't know. <laughs> but no, um, so yeah, that, that's kind of interesting. But yeah, I, I think it... Yeah, I'd say it owes as much, in, and it's a companion piece to 1999 as well, for different reasons. But um, I think... Weird, weirdly, on a personal, from a personal perspective, Andy, the fact that I got them both at the same time that that twins them for me as well. But that's a very personal thing, I suppose. Yeah. Weirdly, I think of it as um, more married to. I see controversy ninety nine nine purple rain as sort of like a purple trench coat trilogy, right? And that's how I see those things. I see kind of like this for you, Prince and Dirty Mind as finding the way. Controversy 
1999 Purple Rain as perfecting the way, huh. and and from around the world in the day onwards, he's flying. That's fascinating because there's a hell of a paradigm shift between Prince and Dirty Mind. I wouldn't say there's a paradigm shift between Dirty Mind and Controversy. Uh, you wouldn't, or you wouldn't, no. No, no. Exactly. That for me, I parse it differently, right? I would definitely go first two albums, an artist finding his feet within the soul R and B funk pop tradition. Dirty mind. Okay, that is that's that now we now it's new. Now it's a breakthrough. Now it's a radical new synthesis of stuff, yeah? Dirty Mind oh, was yeah. the most important album he ever released. Definitely. Definitely. But we'll get to that. Another time, I, w- I would agree. In in, in I, I I would agree with everything you just said. It was just a kind of. I think there was once. I still think it was because it was the first step. It was still that three finding your way. By the time it started controversy, he already had the way. Whereas Dirty Mind was still kind of. I I, I have to. I can't. Uh, you're in, you're entitled to your wrong opinion as usual. Show. And I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I I can't see a dirty mind as anything other than a quantum leap, a paradigm shift, as Paddy says. And then to me, that's that that. I have to agree. Yeah, sorry, Shabs. You you have to go away and think. I on didn't that say one. It, I didn't say it wasn't a quantum leap in paradigm shift. I just said that there was still a, like when he starts out dirty mind. He doesn't. I don't think he sets out to make Dirty Mind in that sense. He he just creates, and then Dirty Mind comes out of it. Controversy is the first one where he's con- he's got that sound, and he's going forward to make it a pop. On controversy, is established the sound which yes. you can hear all three previous albums a little bit. Exactly. Where I think it's more commercial. I feel like it was more commercial in mind as well in comparison. That's my point, is that the first three albums, he's working out the sound. He settles on Dirty Mind as the most important and then kind of works those those three sounds together to into what becomes Purple Rain over three albums. I agree. But... It's the first one where he has the Dirty Mind sound as the like I, as the as a cannon in his I, arsenal. Okay, I, I see it as assembling. Right the, the, again, the big jump is like, oh, I can do something stripped down, radical, modern and different and shocking and that's that's dirty mind and then what i liked about enemy saying that Purp- um controversy is his first mad album is to me that dirty mind is like x percent of the equation and then controversy adds the kind of i am off my rocker socio-politically right in a cool yeah. way yes and then those two things together are the basis for the next big synthesis no pun intended, some pun intended, of 1999. Like, sex plus crazy motherfucker. Yeah. Plus, yeah, well, that, that's that's 1999. But anyway, I like that we started on controversy. We've gone back in time. Now, let's go back to the 18th century. Now, in the 18th century, <laughs> m- music was very much, uh, of course, only a performed act, and there weren't any... Re- Sorry, let's carry on. Well, also, you've got to remember, there's elements of this that do predate the uh, 18th century in the Lord's Prayer. So... <laughs> <laughs> Chopin, Actually... Chopin and Prince win this album... <laughs> Does feature <laughs> very ancient lyrics. This controversy is sound archaeology. <laughs> archaeology. No, <laughs> but yes, uh, agreed that first boom when it comes in. So with that, um, 
go back to the 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 initial song, that first song, controversy title track. Yeah, can I can I leap in and talk about that? Wow, that's because it it occurred to me in in saying that that's like, you know, that's like a hard day's night for the Beatles. That first chord when they you know, there's a very 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 famous chord at the start of a hard day's night. Uh, Yeah, and like musicologists have been arguing about what's in that chord forever. So it's a different discussion, but like, or it's like like a Rolling Stone. You have the um. You have the yeah. whip. You have the whip crack, and Prince is doing an electronic update of that big opening statement of intent with controversy. It just occurred to me. Yeah, it's true. You know, Pr- Prince was a Prince in his pomp was brilliant, as we know. At you know the first second of a single or a pop out a pop single by Prince in the eighties would announce itself um, with uh, the the guitar scratch of kiss or the owl of alphabet street later on same in get off um the uh, opening of when doves cry and of course just on controversy it's about as minimal as you get just but he was great at that it just cuts through everything whatever you're doing that comes on the radio oh hello do i have your attention yes i do this is going to be brilliant yeah and and he's still doing it later in the career in things like daisy chain as well you're like yeah absolutely you know what I like to going kind of going back to that version is how raw it is. I feel like I got so used to hearing the later live versions that were slightly more Vegas and more sugar coated. Yeah, and I love those and they're a breed. <laughs> hey, I do too. And I will shake my butt to those, but this does like the funk face, like the lips go with this version. You're like, damn. It, it just has that essence. And kind of going back to the conversation we were having before, it's the reason I can't quite link this as tightly to 1999 as I can do in mind. It hasn't got that sugar coating. It's got this rawness that just is maintained on those two albums. And my favourite bit of this whole version is his vocal percussion part. Mm-hmm. Does anyone else know what I'm talking about? Yep. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Prince on vocal drums. <laughs> Every time, as soon as you hear it, I, I I don't know if all of you have kind of picked up on it, but as soon as you hear it, you can't unhear it. And it's Prince going, oof, every um, eight bars. Yeah. So if you haven't picked up on that, go back and definitely listen. But for me, it, it's not there in the live versions. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm doing the same thing Pide is doing. I'm thinking, am I sure that that's not like a tuned... Tom on the no, no. is it definitely it's okay? Him. I'll have to have another listen to that. Yeah. I've heard that for sure. The, I was the thing about controversy is it's classic Prince because it's a temp. Uh, yeah, I've talked about this before. It's like he cuts his cloth and then he just designs on it symmetrically and mathematically and progresses from idea to idea at his leisure. So it's a very, very simple piece of canvas he's unrolled here, and then he just weaves on it. But also, for something that's supposedly quite minimalistic, the attention to detail and the things that are woven into it, the fact that we're talking about this oof sound and two out of the four of us are going, I don't know what bit we're talking about, maybe. Um, like It's still very, very rich with detail and texture, even though it sounds very, very simple at first hearing. But that's that. Uh, that's that thing that he learned how to do so well. 
so well as like as i think you d- described it in other uh chats as uh, coding so much sound and coding so much sonic information into a piece and he does it so well here but and there's a reason there's uh, there's a reason there's a million different house mixes of this because it is futuristic you know there's a there's a line um a kind of half serious line which is that house and techno was just everybody it basically was like people just wanting to be prince yeah right like it was uh, mm. like it, it's too simplistic an idea and it's too much for uh, to give him all of that but like it what there there was this kind of well we couldn't play all the other stuff but we were just wanted to do something like prince was the uh, like controversy stands up after all these years as proto techno and when i've yeah. taken non when i took sometimes some non non big prince fans just casual prince fans to see prince at like the o2 and stuff yeah. controversy was always the one always the song that made them really yeah. sit up and go god this is ultra modern even now hot farm it was it was stunning because he did this whole piece about like old school make noise new school like make noise and like different bits and it was just like this kind of around uh, um, this entire this entire kind of lesson of like what sa- of what sounds were in common between the old school and the new school it was fantastic it is some of it is a kind of a little bit like um kind of a mix of james brown and gary newman at the same time yeah i mean it's like you've got you've got like those kind of slinky chicken grease guitars yeah but i mean that are just stunning but and then you've got those synth hits like that the way that like you know that it's the bit where it goes uh, that's that's the sound of that synth that saw that cuts through is great. What do we like, Gary Brown or James Newman? James, James Newman. James Newman, I like it. <laughs> Gary Brown sounds pretty cool too, though. <laughs> and then J- James Newman sounds like an accountant. <laughs> Welcome to yeah, James Gary, Newman accountancy Gary, firms. <laughs> Gary, Gary Brown sounds like an NFL player to me. This is true. <laughs> Um, I, I, I've got a question for you about this song because there's like seven and a half minutes or whatever it is, eight minutes maybe of um, pure pumping, like mono, uh, monomanic Prince really, right? It's a manifesto. It talks about everything. Uh, actually, what, let's talk about that separately. What I was going to ask you was kind of what Leah started, which is what is your one favorite moment of this song or one favorite detail? Or is it one motif like Leah has? Or Because I know my favorite moment of this song. It's a, one, a one-off thing. Ooh, I'm going to have to think, so you feel free to go ahead with yours because I'm going to have to think on that one. All right. I put you on the spot because I know my answer. Paddy? <sighs> thing about this song for me, bear with me, I will come to what you're asking about this song for me is if somebody asked me okay i want to if the challenge was for anybody to listen to one song to understand what prince was about and what his baseline fundamentals were it would be this song it wouldn't be purple rain it wouldn't be when doves cry wouldn't be kiss uh wouldn't be 1999 most beautiful girl in the world yeah cream none of those it'd be this song mm. this song is that fundamental funk Prince sort of style funk. It speaks to pretty much everything he does. All the other genres he plays, he usually plays 
with a with a funky shine. Pretty much everything. I, I can think of very, very, very little that doesn't have a funk swing feel to it, whether it's the rocky stuff, the jazzy mm. stuff, the electronic stuff, and so on and so forth. So for me, this is the one and only archetypal Prince track. Uh, and I absolutely love it for that. Um, it is one of my favorite Prince tracks. I do like the earlier live versions as well. My absolute favorite version of this live is the one on the Controversy Tour itself, which is different, not too different from the one on the 1999 Tour, except it's, it's, it's more pacey and it works really well. But my favorite, to come back to Andy's point, sorry, Andy, I meandered there a little bit. No. So subsequently, and perhaps not unsurprisingly with it being me, my favorite part of this is you've got this incredible song, which is basically just all happening around an E going. And that is just, that is Prince. And again, from a guitarist point of view, forget his soloing. His soloing's great. As, as somebody Chopin and I have talked to recently, he has a great touch when he's soloing. But the bottom line with Prince is, is his rhythm playing is utterly sublime. So my favorite Ooh. bit of the song is that E on the, that quick 16th rhythmic E. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. That, that's a great call. I think my Prince vocal and also when it drops into the Lord's Prayer and you've got the keyboard slams in the middle of it, Oh, that's enormous, isn't it? That I've got a lot of favourite parts in this song. I realised after I asked the question, that bit is. Sorry, Leah, expound on that. That's amazing. It is literally just the funk bass, and I feel like every hardcore fan knows exactly when they're coming because if you've never heard that song before, you don't you don't know they're coming. They're not. There's not a build up. They're just there. (laughs) You, You know that that always got me as well because, like, obviously, right, rock and roll and religion. Uh, you know, there's, they've got an intertwining, but sometimes very separate existence, right? And, you know, it's very square in pop music to talk about God, but it's very, it can be very hip in uh, Black American music to talk about God, right? But Prince yeah. comes out with the Lord's Prayer, which, come on, it's square. But he turns mm-hmm. it, but like, he starts off with it. He does it in this incredibly funky monotone, which is just like, a scary super sex yeah. god future and then it's what yeah it's give us this day wow oh okay it's not yeah. square it's absolutely the squelchiest thing you've ever heard yeah yeah he's recorded it in a way that sounds so square when you listen to the vocal he's not trying to funk up that vocal he's right. not trying to make the lord's prayer sound cool when you actually listen to it he's singing it just flat it is literally like people are in church really bored singing the lord's prayer and it's only when those keyboards come in, it's almost like, it, again, um, I think it was Beverly Knight that says the tectonic plates rubbing mm. together. It's like the squared boredness with this nasty funk underneath that just yeah. kind of gives you prints somewhere in the middle. That's great. I think uh, that that always gets me as well. I, I've got a moment and I, it's come to me. Um, it's the bit where, you know, like the, do I believe in God? Do I believe in you? And it's the bit where there's a little guitar in the background that goes, and it's just like this. The moment that lit, that kind of and that that lift turns back into controversy. Yes. I love the way that that lift 
comes back down onto the groove. It's just, there's so many two, one moments, two seconds in there. That like, whether it be that guitar, like, down, down. And it like, it's just, as like, uh, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This and is, it's like, hmm. This song is perfection. The more we talk mm. about it, it's perfection. Mm. And I um I I love that drop as well. I um my my little I love all the bits you've mentioned, all of them. I love I love everything about this song. There's not there's not one nanosecond that I do not think could have been done better in the, that I think could have been done better in this song rather. Um my ones are right back in the mix before people call me rude. Listen. Just before he goes, people call me rude, you know? He goes, listen. You know what I'm talking about? Chopin yeah. hasn't heard it. No, I haven't heard it. Oh, it was I, I've obviously yeah, yeah. been too busy dancing around the room to this song. I heard, I've heard <laughs> that, but I'm listening for oof. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard the oof. I've worked it out. Yeah, I think it is a vocal oof, actually. Oh, it definitely is. Okay. You don't, you've never heard the listen. He's telling you to listen, and you never listen to the listening. Maybe he should have had a pre- previous listen saying, listen to this listen. Do you want me to mute while I listen? <laughs> yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> I'll carry on talking, because that's what I do. There's a riff right near the end. It's a bit, It's probably in the last 30 seconds or something, where he, it just goes, and you just think, oh, okay, that's a riff. It's brilliant. It's a, it's brilliant. Ever, any other artist would have happily used that as the basis for their entire track. You just threw in an extra bloody sweetie in the last half minute. And you used it how many times, Prince? Once. Why? Because you're a genius. Because you could. <laughs> and you know what? There's a probably is a song in the vault that's built around the one second. Honestly, yes, it might be, might not be. But the point is just like what he put out was just I'm going to give it. I'm going to give this to you once as one final curlicue on this track. One final detail, just to address something that Paddy said about this being the archetypal Prince song. Absolutely, in terms of lyrics, it is as well, because it's a manifesto. It's Prince standing at all the crossroads that he built his mystique on. Am I black or white? Am I straight or gay? Yeah. And that's exactly what he traded on for the next 1,000 years, is it not? Yeah, do, do I believe in God? Do I believe in me? Yeah. It's, you know, I, I when you said that, it's just like, absolutely, you know, no matter what our favorite songs and what our favorite eras are, but I think you're right in that it does come like this is this displays everything. You know, you can bring take it from. I mean, we've talk, talked here many times about the Prince song tree, where one song begats another song, one this riff begats another riff, and and even if the actual riffs don't stem from this, I think the the flow of the career and who he becomes you can trace all of those elements back into this song and it and and what an opener what an, what opener, an opener for an album so uh, out of 10 i'd say six out of 10 pretty good <laughs> <laughs> just a, a, another couple of things about the song if i could there is also and, and a little bit about the album just just again things are flying into my mind the the album and and parts of the song i think are looking inwards and parts of the song are looking outwards i think the main difference between this album and the three that preceded it are, in many ways, it is, it is the first time he's sort of sneaking his sort of his eyes over the wall and having a proper look at the world. And I think he's mm-hmm. speaking outwardly a lot more. Um, so that's one thing that makes it very different from the from the other three. And the other thing is, he, he does the chance thing. 
the people call me rude, I wish we all knew, like a chant. Then in sexuality, he's got a chant, reproduction of the new freely mm. stand-up. And I love those. And then there are various sort of slightly atonal, like, I mean, I don't know, Annie Christian, the way that he presents it is kind yeah. of atonal as well. Yeah, that's something I can't think of. The only other place prior to it would possibly have been Dirty Mind, but there's nothing on Dirty Mind yeah. I can think of like that. On, on Dirty Mind, you got, you're going to have to fight yeah, your yeah. own yeah. Yeah. So you've got these channels, the this thing, chant yeah. thing coming through as well, which I really like about it. That'll do. That. Uh, 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 and the other thing, of course, is the big fat Juno sounding. That's just, br- that's just brilliant through a live PA wherever you are, and it works beautifully. First time my keyboard player nailed that, I had a massive smile on my face when I heard that. I thought you were going to say a massive something else. Let's move on. Uh... (laughs) That that too. Yeah, that too. Every time I buy any kind of audio listening device, whether it be headphones, speakers, whatever, Controversy is the first song I play to test if it's good or not. Oh, that's brilliant. I do the same bit with Kiss. My one is Kiss. Mine is Controversy followed by Sign of the Times. Oh, that's great. Are you, in, are you into Prince? Hey, baby, you single. <laughs> <laughs> Next song. Next song. <laughs> uh, sexuality. Sorry. Uh, now, now, it all sounds, now, now everything sounds really We thought wrong. we were changing the subject. <laughs> and, wait till we, and wait till we get to track three. I am so sorry. I'll just leave now. Okay. <laughs> Hey, this is Prince we're talking about, yeah? So this is going to happen. Um, this is one of my favourite Prince songs, is Sexuality, as well. I absolutely... Oh. I've had, uh, no pun intended, a few contra- controversial conversations. That was that was difficult to get out, controversial conversations, uh, with a few people about this, because some people seem to be of the, of the mind that's a little bit throwaway, and I don't think it is. I think that percussive intro is absolutely fantastic and, 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 you know, pretty different all around in the way that it's kind of built on that sort of percussive vibe with a very, very percussive single, again, a single chord motif in the similar way to the single chord motif in Controversy. But yeah, no, and it always surprised me why this didn't get a lot more live airplay. I mean, if you look back, uh, at bootlegs there are a few fantastic versions of this obviously it re- resurfaced the spirituality on the the vegas uh, run and so on and so forth but yeah. and and i think that one of the uh, i think at the beginning of the controversy tour they opened with this i've got um, i'm sure it, there's a washington gig where it opens with this which is a superb set i wish the quality was better but yeah i, I never really got it but this this is a i don't think i've said it for a few podcasts this is a banger who thought that this was a throwaway song? I address his names. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, yeah. I've had, no, I've had ba- band input to this to this degree about this. I'm a peaceful about, man, yeah. but come on, there's <laughs> limits. <laughs> Sorry, Andy. You were I, don't know, I was just going to start talking about this song because I, I I'm never ever anything than delighted to hear other than delighted to hear sexuality. It, it always sounds fresh to me. It's um, it's definitely like a hidden gem because it definitely never got any exposure beyond the album. Really very, very, uh, you know, f- for whatever reason, Prince just never really revisited it. But I feel like it's a hidden gem even amongst fans. Like even now as I'm thinking about the track, it's a brilliant track, but it's, it's not even track. one of me as a fan... I don't come back to it, and I don't know why. I mean, I don't know. I think it just slips under the radar because it's between two very long statement pieces that are kind of 
you know, different. I know, I know one of us at least isn't going to enjoy Doomy Bay because I know the person here who doesn't like it. And I'm not looking at Chopin at all right now, but um, <laughs> do, do, do me, baby, do me, baby is a in. We'll get to in a minute is a pillar of his ballad building in the same way that controversy is a pillar and fun. Uh, what's the one foundation of his funk sound? And in between that, you have this funny little kind of curate's egg of a thing. I think the interplay between the electronic drums and the electronic bass synth bass on this song is just outstanding like the bass pushes the drums pushes the bass pushes the drums and they just interlock so beautifully and it's done it a very staccato kind of ever moving rhythm there's so much going on in this song and again just nothing is anything other than sublime for me in this number that synth bass is phenomenal the guitars on the break on the breakdown at the end are just perfection just perfection. perfection yeah like the way that this rises and falls it's got a cool video as well i don't know why this isn't bigger I, it's possibly my favorite song on the album amazing. even though Contro controversy is an amazing song but if we're talking about what kind of gets the adrenaline flowing the kind of the percussive doom doom like when he like to the point where like you know i didn't like it when he changed his lyrics to more spiritual things you know like 23 no one did let's face it no, no one did the christ or 23 inscriptions and one night stand but oh, when i he... hate christ so much uh... <laughs> but uh when um he played this on the 21 nights like he did one of the after shows when it was just like him cora and josh like doing the guitar thing he done this like he done like Calling square and then he done this like spirituality and i'm, I'm telling you I, I didn't even care. I didn't even care that he changed the lyrics. I was just happy he was playing the riffs because, like, this this had needed much more of an airing. And if he had to change the lyrics to get this little groove out there, then so be it because it's so frigging good. It's so good. And the video was filmed same session as Controversy, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. It's the same setup. I love those videos as well. Those, there's a, a, a rock band once said, you know, if we're doing a video, what else do you want to see if it's not just us playing? It's like, it's all right, all these elaborate videos with special oh. effects and some of them are good. But in the end, what do you want to see? You want to see the artist Hold playing on. with his band. And I, I do rather like that. And I love the, those sort of lights that were bright, but sort of cotton wool around the sides a little bit. The sort of style of light was very glary mm. and uh, i absolutely again I, i'm so not much. one to go for the outfits that much but i love 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 the prince look on controversy particularly the black top that he has with this proto frills but not full yeah. i love all that i think he looks just that's amazing prince look I, I, for me anyway. you did no one did someone say there was a sexuality video have i forgotten it if there, there wasn't no he takes yeah. all the, he, so he strips all of his shirt off and sorry, like what? he's kind of shaggy head but why did he make a video for, i can't i'm having a senior moment a few years ahead of my time um he made a sexuality wasn't a thing it was in japan uh, i think controversy was the uh, controversy was the b-side in japan i he, think on the he released I've sexuality got. as a single in japan in like 1981 or and he, there's, there's who a, is this guy and there's a dutch 12 inch 
Well, that, which sounds like a euphemism in itself. But uh, hold on, there's a twelve inch. There's not. There's not a twelve inch of sexuality. Not a twelve inch version. But it's it's a twelve inch. But I don't right, think it's a twelve okay. inch version. Because I'm starting to think. Have I ever listened to this dude? But there's uh, there's a picture sleeve. 12 inch and there's a picture sleeve 7 inch I, I think from... Leah's just posted the video for me to thanks I'll take a look I, I must have seen it I've, I've you know I've lo- I've forgotten more prints than most people can remember of course you know so uh, <laughs> but, but um but like I, I want to get back to the song for a moment I'm having the, this is this is the funnest album to talk about already is it yeah. not but um I want to say that like we have to have to have to talk about the spoken word interlude in this song because it's this is bats isn't it it, yeah. this, is, this is why Enemy calls it the first mad album, this sort of business. Because it's suddenly, suddenly Prince is railing against, like, you know, what Frank Zappa called the pajama people, basically straights, right? And yeah. Prince's version for the pajama people is tourists. And we are off, aren't we? We are off on one. We're talking about favorite moments of each song with controversy. I think my favorite bit is what? No flash again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I also like um three minus three, absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> with the Elvis little weird thing at the end. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then Mama, are you listening? What? It's terrifying. Uh, with that and uh, when that Mama are you listening, the, there's that guitar that wow! <laughs> so good. This is a psychological freakout. This is an yeah. urban freakout on record. And that whole no child is bad from the beginning. See, this is so good. I told you, this is so good, this song. This, like, this, is, this never does anything except put lead in my pencil, that's for sure. I absolutely could not subscribe to the idea of a, of a sort of strangely hidden in plain sight gem. It, it, it's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Definitely. And so good, so good that 22, 23 years later, he uses it for his Jehovah's Witness jazz album as a, as the call, like the we need production of a new breed leader oh, stand-up, sure. organized. And, you know, he uses it on the Rainbow Children. When he decides to go, like, full-on Jehovah's Witness, it's just like, what does he go back to? Uh, the, call, the call and response, like the call from sexuality. It's like, Guys, if, unless I unless I'm forgetting something else, is this or is this not the birth of the prince? Our, I was just thinking that oh, I can't think of, a, yes. of an hour anywhere else prior to this. So yeah, I I'm think you're pretty right sure there. this is it. This is the one. And on and on the kind of prince tree, I know you were saying like after this is Do Me Baby, which is a ballad foundation. There's a synth funk foundation in controversy, but I think like oddities like Strange but True, it have a little bit of their kind of roots in songs like this and other songs on this album. You know, they kind of synth playarounds. This track speaks back to Dirty Mind a little bit more for me with those stuff. You know, you you this stark in it's stark in terms of chordal, no sort of deep colourful chordal nature. It's one, you know, one guitar, yeah. one guitar chord, and predominantly a, a, a rhythmic drive. So it is kind of linked, and like you say, it does speak to auditors. If you think of songs like it, it really yeah. does work in that sense, without a doubt. Yeah. If I, I love Dirty Mind as the album. I think it's a stunning piece of work, and I think it's an important piece of work. I think maybe things I said earlier on maybe 
made it sound like I didn't. But this, but this gives this song gives me so much more serotonin than the songs on that album, and I love that album, and that that album gives me a lot of serotonin. But this particular song is just out there. I mean, I didn't think I didn't think anybody else would want to talk about it as much as I did. So that's I'm very happy about that. Moving on to uh, Do Me Baby. Uh oh. Oh yeah, here we go. Here we go. Here come the here come the fights and tears. Um, so Private Joy, it's a great song. I love that. Song. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there's something you need to get out of the way here, Chopin. Go on. Okay. Full admission, I think this is one of his worst songs ever. I think um, it's, it's incredible. No, I, I think it's one of the least interesting songs he ever did. It's. I. Th- I, th- I feel it's completely antiseptic from a sexual point of view. I. I think it's kind of complete by numbers balladeering. I think he'd done more interesting stuff earlier. But so I get that it's a foundation and it's considered so great. And, and it's nice being in the room when he sang this and hearing all of the high pitched voices screaming and see, feeling feeling off that excitement. But on record, it falls completely dead for me even even the little kind of even the kind of groovy little kind of thumb pull of that boom, boom, couldn't save the lack of energy for me so okay you um my execution is when <laughs> <laughs> guys go ahead tear me apart go on paddy i can see that you're sizzling i i'm not again i don't i don't naturally gravitate towards the ballads. When I think of Prince Ballads, I find it very, very difficult to get any further than the beautiful ones, if I'm honest. And stuff like Adore, uh, etc. But this one, I don't have quite the same reaction to this one as Chopin, actually. It's a strange one. It never completely landed with me, but I like it for what it is. It is. It, it feels a very organic sexual ballad and i think it as you've said yourself it showcases his voice and his falsetto brilliantly and it builds nicely and it sounds like a band piece it's it's one of those track i it sounds like the band have inputted into the the general sort of drive of it Paddy, can I interject something? Yeah, yeah yeah i quite like it and there's something is kind of i was thinking as you were speaking i think if sexuality was the seven-minute track and this was the four-minute track, I wouldn't have such a problem with it. I'd prefer that. <laughs> exactly. Wouldn't that be so much better? Seven minutes you of that sexuality be, right now and then, nah, four, be, then four minutes of Do Me Baby be, and this careful. would have been an okay track. Be careful than what you wish for, though, right? Because... I, because I know you people, because you're saying, oh, some of the tracks on 1999 are too long. right? If sexuality was seven minutes... Would it be everything it is for you now? Sometimes less is more. Well, I've listened to a 10-minute version of Computer Blue and a 10-minute version of Thunder that begs to differ and a 21-minute version of America that begs yeah, to differ. Yeah, What do you think of Automatic? I love the length of Automatic, but some people don't. Uh, automatic is, uh, is one, I think. Uh, <laughs> a little, uh, automatic is a little... A little too long. A little too long. All I'm saying is... 30 seconds rather than like two minutes or something. 
I'm just saying, be careful, man. If, if a seven if a seven minute sexuality ever turns up, yeah, I'd be the first in line to. Well, maybe. In all fairness, I would rather be disappointed by Doomy Baby, something that I was already disappointed by, than sexuality. So maybe you're right, but I just wouldn't have this reaction to Doomy Baby if it was four or seven. In all seriousness, you've always got to ask yourself: Is it longer than a Dutch twelve inch? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Right. I can't get you're past not, that comment. You're not sorry at all. Sorry, guys, it's been hot here lately and we're all Leah very... Leah looks very disappointed with us. She looks very um, <laughs> matronly at this I moment. Have, I do have a point to make, but my neighbours just started doing some building, so you might have to crop around it. Um, but as a woman, if there is a sex song on a Prince album, I want all the minutes I can get. That's all I'm saying. So longer the better. Okay. <laughs> Good response. What can you say? That's a f- um, absolutely fair yeah. Point. I think yeah. I think if we've if we've got if we've got Chopin as the person who doesn't like it, I'm 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 happy to be the guy who's sort of in the middle ground with it from a, a which to me is probably half saying I like it because I'm not that keen on ballads as a rule. So I'd say it's probably in my top five Prince ballads. I I love this track. Um, I love it. I think it's better live. I will definitely give you that one. All, the, the way I fell in love with this was the Syracuse version. Excuse the banging downstairs. Excuse um, excuse you. Excuse the I banging. I think it's appropriate given the song that we're listening to, so talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, the way I fell in love with this song was the Syracuse performance. I, I don't think that version of this track could be top. I'm not a fan of the parade tour version with the like I I didn't like that version with the weird guitar bit personally, but I do love the track. I think the length of it is absolutely fine, but I think you have to kind of take it for what it is. I don't think it's one of those songs that you're meant to sit and intently listen to every single moment of it. For me, it's one of those kind of Prince dreamlike tracks, kind of the same as Dorothy Parker. Um, but with Dorothy Parker, the, the lyrics grippy pulled into that story a little bit more. But for me, it's just one of those grooves that kind of sinks into your subconscious. It's not one that I sit and listen to every waking moment of. But I 100% agree. It's better live on pretty much any version, to be honest. Um, but I love it. And I'm not mad that it's seven minutes. And I think it's well placed in the general structure of the album. I will give you that that guitar solo that Miko does on the new tour version is pretty stunning. Uh, like yeah. when did that extended guitar he does a really good guitar work I, I just kind of like was like i just wished it ended at the end of the summer do you know the version i mean on the parade tour no which is uh, which is probably a bad sign right yeah i, I know which, i know which bit you mean on the parade tour yeah yeah and they it do it for work. ages before yeah. the vocal comes yeah, in yeah it doesn't work yeah i'm oh, not is it does it do it kind of like a step da 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 like kind of like da, a step da, 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 with da, the da, horns. Da, da. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, to be quite honest, it's you know, like when something steps on a track you like, you really notice it. But if it steps on a track you don't like, well, you're already kind of just listening just to listen to the whole. Well, thing I can't anyway. imagine a bad bar of music on the parade tour, so I can't. I I have to go back and revisit that because I can't recall what you're talking about. But some of you should be ashamed of yourselves. I'm just going to say that right now. This is do me baby guys. This is a this just as controversy like I said was a foundation of a you know of the prince skyscraper. 
do me baby is the uber template or the ur template or the first mover for all the great big ballads that were to come and the the it was the template for the live part uh, for the part of the live act where he becomes the lover man and the seducer and the comedian and I, oh, totally. we wouldn't yeah, have had I agree with that. We wouldn't have had international lover we wouldn't have had electric man i don't think we'd have had this, any of that this is the this. prime mover exactly electric man slowing it down screwing around later on uh, on the couch um satisfied uh, satisfied yeah and like question they, of you yeah. question of you everything uh, th- like um you know i i love prince ballads live yes and no i mean though you know uh but it's a part but it, they're not my favorite parts of uh, of tours necessarily but some of them are and also they were a, a massive part of what he did and they were a massive part of prince showing you that i will go from this to that to this to that and like you know, when he famously said about um, the Joshua Tree, wasn't it, that won the 87 Grammy or whatever, and he said, well, yeah, you two can do that, but will they then go and play Housequake after they've done that rock song, you know? Mm. So Prince and Ballads, that was Prince covering all bases and being the funky guy, the pop star, the gospel dude, the spiritual visionary, and the seducing soul lover. Uh, and you... I feel like I'm being t- told off by the teacher. Like the bunch of kids have been really naughty. Like, <laughs> Would you show some respect to our guest, please? Uh, I, no, <laughs> it's, it's all up for grabs. Like I said, you you know you're you're perfectly entitled to be quite that wrong. And um, <laughs> and, no, it's all good, man. Honestly, I, just, I so apart from anything else, do me, baby. You know, is canon is is prime canon for that reason. But it's also a brilliant, brilliant song. The tune is brilliant the synths that start coming into it are so lush and synthetic it's funny as hell there's that light sorry go on paddy no no i was good you said about synthesis are indeed lush and that that sort of electronic synthetic synth sound the way it mixes with a very natural slightly wet sounding piano it's it really really works well does that it really this 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 is soft porn you know in the best way and this is like the you know it's practically recorded on vhs tape it's great and it's (laughs) um you know this is a funny song and like that line is so porn near the start where he goes bring out what's been in me for far too long you know that's barely a double entendre that double entendre that's a single entendre really isn't it and um I, i i i it's funny. He he starts whispering about. I'm going to make. Lo- I'm not going to stop till the war's over. It's just. It's an. Ins- it's just an insane gag, done brilliantly by a world class songwriter, performer, and balladeer, and it absolutely slaps hard, guys. So there. It's <laughs> mic drop. Bang. <laughs> I think there's just that there's earlier ballads that I actually like more, like when we're dancing close and slow. I mean, but I feel more. You're you're totally more... allowed. It's just such a slight song compared to the opulent masterfulness of "Do Me, Baby" for me. Like, it, if if you don't like seven minute ballads, you're not going to like "Do Me, Baby." But Prince taught me to. But actually, there are seven minute ballads that I love from him. Like, I love "Insatiable." "Insatiable" is definitely wouldn't exist without "Do Me, Baby." No, I I, I understand that, and for that alone, I kind of. Can for, you know, 
you do have what's funny is like you do have like such a thing against this particular ballad don't you because i think i thought i finally got you to like realize that adore is quite a good song right see the yeah I, it's like and this is the thing is like adore i will give you i was wrong about adore i gave the door a lesson this i find so saccharine and so kind of you have to lean boiling, into it. It's boiling the bag sexuality for me, but um, it's Prince. It's Prince leaning into it and parodying it and celebrating mm. it at the same time for me. And you know, I, I get why people love it because, like, I've been in. An, I trust me, I've been in an arena where he hits a few notes of the piano, and the the, the falsetto scream is just like amazing. I know it's not for me, like in that sense, and which is why it kind of. It just falls like a hole in for me in this album, and uh, and and like it would be if it wasn't such a long hole. Like I, I my my attention. Can we just rewind the sides. tape? If it wasn't such a long hole, please. Chopin, li- listen. <laughs> oh my god! L- listen you to know what I'm saying. Oh my god! I so this is Carry On PPUK. <laughs> we should totally do like an outtakes. Oh my God, this is like a Benny Hill version. Yeah, it's, it's perfectly appropriate. This song, this song is yeah, this, like, this song in this era is all about this. Jimmy hey, is, hang on, jack you offs at the end of the bloody album. Yeah, so you can't exactly, really... exactly. Yeah, we can't. Yeah, like, like Jimmy Baby is a gaping hole. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh. <laughs> No, it's the first time that we do see this this character come out of Prince. And I say a character, I agree. it's definitely part of his persona, but it's the first time we really see him start to step into it and exaggerate it and kind of yes. become that. And yeah. that be something that when you buy a Prince ticket, a part of him that you really want to see. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. And I guess... It had to happen, Chopin. It yeah. just had to happen. <laughs> Many horrible things did have to happen before the good things happened. But yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, it had. I, I agree with all of this. I agree that it's foundational. It's important. Does that make it a good listen for me? It doesn't. But does that mean I would want to take it off the album? Selfishly, yes. But act because I think you could still make the other ones without having released this. But actually. In the in the grand scheme of things, I mean, it's there, so there's no point wishing it wasn't. How are you going to fill that seven minutes, then, Chopin? If you took out this, what would you put in to fill that seven minutes? It would just make sexuality eleven minutes. I know the answer. No, no, no. There's, I mean, there's. I, <laughs> I guess um, I would have put Lisa, like the outtake from Dirty Mind, on there. <laughs> You know, Lisa, let's go to the movie. Lisa. Lisa's great, but it is just, it is a, it, you know, it's a one idea jam. It's really great. Don't get me wrong. But In it's... terms of tracking the album, no, it, it's, per- I think it's perfect. No, it's, yeah. no it, I mean, like, I really wouldn't. I would, yeah, I yeah. would put whatever slow one was lying around was, at the time. I can't not, think of any this slow one. ones. Well, whatever slow yeah. one was not Do Me Baby, you've just really got it in for Do Me Baby. You're very Do Me Babyist. But um, uh, proudly, you know. yeah. No, I, I know it's all good. I am. Um, I <laughs> no, I mean, I get it. I, I also think I, I love the sh- I love the weird lop- top heavy aspect of this album as well. You've got um, you know, the, the A side is three tracks, two long tracks and a short one in the middle. It's very strange. And then you know, the B side, which we're about to get round to, listeners, believe me, yeah, is um, the, you know, these five little punchy things. 
I, I might say something that might make people feel better than, about this. I love that Prince does a one-two, uh, like fast, fast, slow. He does it in his concerts too. He does it in his albums, you know, Thunder Dirty, uh, Thunder Daddy, Pop Dimes and Pearls. You know, there's, there's that fast, fast, slow thing that he always does. It's a great flow. And I love that people love this. I, I always like say, even if I don't like something, I love being, I, I was a great feeling being in that arena and hearing that shrill excitement around you know that kind of like that real frenzied excitement around me it was a it was a nice cake and i love that people love this it's just me and i understand that i am very very much in the minority i think when when doomy baby comes up live or came up live it always sounded like a real warm old friend and it always it always warmed the atmosphere up and it was a very Mm. nice pair of you know big cozy war i don't know what i'm saying now big cozy gloves to step into what anyway it, i don't know i also it, know it, I've, written, I've never written anything that compares to it so like less less oh, I, know yeah, no, no, no. I know my place i know my place when no, i'm criticizing no, it yeah no no no, no. <laughs> chopin you're totally we you know i criticize loads of stuff we're, we're we're not here to say we we can't we don't have a voice because we don't can't make that that music we're here to say as listeners we have preferences yeah as, as, as a listener, you're qualified. You're qualified. Yeah. Are you qualified? I'm much more. I, I, I get back on the album for the next one uh, when we go into side B. Let's do it then. Side B, guys. Here we come. Private Joy. Anybody want to go first on this one? I, I Paddy, you got I, the look on his face, like excited. Me, me, miss, me, miss. So, <laughs> this one's a bit special. So I think this is the one that really pointed, let's like, say, for, for a certain reason at 1999. This is the um, the foot in the door, possibly, of the Minneapolis sound, I would go as far as to say, because yeah. this is the first track that he used with a full Lindrum all the way through. And it hasn't got... I don't think there's any organic Bobby's playing, but it's all Lindrum. So, of course, the Lindrum was a huge, huge, huge part of 1999, and the sounds from the Lindrum were obviously the basis for uh, a serious number of aspects of what was became to be considered the Minneapolis sound. Uh, again, he does the same motif yet again, single note. I mean, there is a melody line and there is a bass line, but there is also a sing- the single note, the single uh, piano note, then, 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 then. And I just, I, it just, it just breaks it out for this this album repeatedly, and I absolutely love it. I don't know. Another one that wasn't played enough live. There are a few recordings uh, of it on the Controversy tour, which it's it's an absolutely fabulous, fabulous live track. I'm 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 absolutely befuddled as to why he didn't play this more. It's an interesting thing. We talk about the albums and how some, you know, Andy was considering. Uh, oh, I can't remember who said what now. The ideas of the first two being a pair and then we moved on yeah. to the first three. In terms of gigs and tours, the sort of set list that he had on this tour from these four albums, I thought was a really, really solid set list in terms of mm. dynamics of songs, wasn't too short, wasn't too long, some fantastic, fantastic songs. And then in a sense, it it sort of muddied the waters in an extremely good way when he moved into having the songs from his fifth album, 1999. But um, Private Joy was the one that, for me, bridges most into 1999 and is the real, the spring 
three quarters of the way up the mountain that develops and builds into the the wide river that lots of other artists sailed up the Minneapolis Sound on for me. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you. I have my moments, you know. Not many. <laughs> I have my moments. Uh, that was lovely. Uh, who can follow that? Leah? Okay. Um, I love this track. Absolutely love it. It makes me happy every single time I hear it. Like, if I ever just need a little pick-me-up, I feel like this is one of those songs that could just make me happy regardless of what's happening. And one of those... I think one of the reasons is, and it's the same with Jackie Roth a little bit later, there's this undercurrent of, like, American rock and roll. And it kind of surfaces quite a lot about this album. And I know it's kind of talking about politics and it is talking about current situations throughout the whole album so it does kind of make sense that it has this kind of americana rock and roll vibe to it but it always feels private joy and jack you off the melodies feel to me almost like nursery rhymes they feel like they should be american rock and roll songs that we already know like if you played them and i didn't already know who prince was or anything like that I would be like, oh, did this person use the music from an old American song or is this a cover in some way, shape or form? Has it been manipulated from a song that already existed? It feels to me just like new rock and roll and it has this Americana embedded in it that is perfect because that's exactly what this album is about. It's his first sort of outward look at America and the world. But I always feel like there's this little bit of Elvis and I know I kind of mentioned the Elvis ah ha in the middle of sexuality, but it feels to me like it kind of resurfaces again in Private Joy and Jack You Off and it's just done in this really new way which I absolutely love I don't know if you've kind of picked up on that at all or if it's just <laughs> me I could imagine Elvis singing this if it was swung I could imagine Elvis doing it yeah oh, my little private joy my private joy you belong to Elvis <laughs> I, I didn't hear it until you said uh, until I thought about it in that swung rhythm. I hear it. I, I know what you're talking about, Americana, but I would say Jack Yoff is definitely, you know, horrible old rock and roll, as a reviewer said of the Jack Yoff performance on the Love Sexy tour. And he wasn't saying it derogatory. He, it's, it's just it's template rock yeah. and roll, just d- done cheap and nasty in a cool new way. And um, P- Private Joy is. It is that but bubblegum pop, isn't it? But still very Americana. That that that's the yeah. bubblegum pop to Jack yeah. Uoff's rock and roll. As a sonic kind of landscape, the way that they kind of I love the way the voices it's that climb out of the voices that like yeah. the, the way that, that climbs out is just I love it. Love it. Love I, it. Love I, it. No, I mean this song is pure unadulterated talent from start to finish i mean it's just i one of the i loved um when kylie minogue first came out as a pop star sounds wrong you know what i mean um when she yeah. first emerged as a pop star and she was like the stock aching waterman paddy's lost it she was she emerged as the stock aching waterman poster girl with i should be so lucky like long before she was a cool pop star she was interviewed in smash hits and she said she loves Prince. They said, what's your favourite Prince song? She said, Private Joy. Always loved her for that. Yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah, Interesting. yeah. Back okay. in like, literally like 90, 88, 89, whatever it was. She loved Private Joy. And you can see why, because it's so perfectly bubblegum. What, what I love about it, it's a song that any other artist would have killed for 
would have released as a single and Prince does it for about two minutes and then breaks it and throws it away. Because why, guys? He's Prince. He does it and then he just starts squirting guitar all over it. Weird weird machine breakdown noises that do not belong in that milieu at all. Just saying, see what I can do? See what's going to come? See what I'm going to do next year, the year after that? I've got loads of stuff to come. Don't even need this. Could do this. Don't want to do this. I always saw it as like a political statement from him in that context. The whole album is you know, talking about tourists and all the bubblegum stuff when actually there's this dirt and grit underneath and what's really happening, war and sexuality and all that stuff. And I always feel like he's gone, here's this pop stuff and all the candy stuff, here's some grime for you. And I feel like that's why that section is so small. It's kind of almost two fingers up, like, oh, here's to the main industry and here's to everything else everyone else does, here's where it's really at. And I feel like if it had been longer, it kind of, it wouldn't have achieved that. But that short little burst... He almost feels like he's going, yeah, yeah, we can do all this, but here's where it's really at. But I love that that bit in, you know, like that if anybody asks you, you belong to Prince. You know, it's like the kind of the start of that really claiming that kind of like, you know, that's the persona that he brought on stage. It's like, uh, is this the first um, use of his own name in a lyric? That I can think about. Um, there might be earlier ones. So none, none come immediately to mind. I, I think it might be. Um, First time he says Prince in a... Yeah, yeah, in a, in a song lyric. I think um, a friend was once asking on a forum online about songs that name check the band or artist, right? And I was thinking about it, uh, just out of all artists. It's a, it's a thing that happens in rap a lot. You get loads of call outs to the artists and their actual names, right? And they use their names and they play with their names. Prince did it quite a lot over the years, more than, you know, more more than most non-rap artists, I would say. I, I would agree. And I think probably the reason behind that is because he he was given a name that has other connotations Definitely. and other meanings. Yeah. And so to kind of establish himself as Prince, just yeah, Prince. Yeah, only yeah. Prince. yeah. I feel like he kind of enforced that to kind of establish himself and right. individuality. Also, he wrote a lot of songs and he needed some lyrics. <laughs> uh, but you're you're absolutely right. He was he wasn't. You know, it would have been a very different story if it had been Tony Nelson, wouldn't it, or Jason yeah. Nelson? Uh, it it would like what 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 an actual magical final touch. That little baby yeah. pops out and we'll call him Prince. Oh, there you go. You're on your way. I, I think Private Joy is. Uh, there's nothing bad to be said about this fellow, right? Nothing bad. And even I got to say that, like, I'd, I'd listen to the Come album first. So the guitar solo at the end is, um, as most people know, is uh, on the track, underneath the track Orgasm, and, uh, which ends the Come album. So when that guitar started going off, I was just like, this is, a, a, oh, a, oh, 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 oh yes yes you know like because yeah, that's think... one of my favorite albums it's like knowing that this is a throwback to here and like learning how that track was created it was just like yeah okay this is a great song you know an absolutely great little bop and then it's just like this this guitar noise that i'm already familiar with and love is is what takes it out uh, i love uh, i love um, that you got it that way around that's really great yeah, and like I listened to Come First before this, and it was just like, like I was aware, I I, I got that this must be a reference, that the Come must be a, orgasm must be a reference to this, but um, yeah, it was 
it was a nice little familiarity on the record that was just like, oh, God. Um, and then it goes into Ronnie Talk to Russia. This is another on a nursery rhyme. This is just a trash nursery, a trash nursery rhyme, just done like recorded in a scrap heap. You know, that's great. I love it. It's mental. As a, again, as, as a part of the whole, it's more of a, of a fascinating little piece, I suppose. It's interesting that there's something directly and more sort of iteratively political, but again, in a, I think the word the word bubblegum's been used a couple of times, and that's a, a good a good good word for several songs on this album. And I think this is a, sort of a, a bubblegum proto Sandtimesy type of a, approach to perhaps a song. It, it, there is a cartoon quite sort of a cartoon quality to it, to be honest. Oh yeah. Um, and it sounds like something that they sort of, I don't know, had been watching the news and they were just jamming a groove or something, and then they just he put he put this together. And do you know what? Sod it, I'm going to put it on the album, even though it's like only a couple of minutes long. Um, it's interesting to listen to now as well under the current climate. Yeah, it's yeah. also interest. It's also interesting that he like he kind of sonically murders the song at the end of the song yeah. after two minutes. It's like, like it's it's almost like he's dragged the dragged this little nursery rhyme out the back to kind of put it out of its misery, sort of speak. I love it. It's interesting. I never saw it as that. I always saw it as Russia blowing up the world yeah, at the end of the song. Yeah, but but it's also the second song he's murdered in a row. Like on the first, you know, but. Mm. Uh, in half the length of controversy, the track itself, he's just pulled out two songs and killed them both off. Yeah, like which is totally the total opposite of sitting on a groove for seven and a half, eight minutes that never, never ceases. This, this side B just starts exploding and imploding all over itself. You know. Yeah, and the, here's here's the thing as well. This song, as as much as controversy and Dooney Baby had their legacies, this song has its legacies as well in songs like No More Candy For You and uh, Tonight I Love Everybody and Everybody Loves Me. It's like... The, the one I was thinking of, which I've never thought until now, but this is like a very, very, very prototype and non... Uh, uh, it, it's the cartoon from which Dance On grew and Dance On is sublime. Because this is like all the elements of just like a political sort of nursery rhyme that's got heaps and heaps of um, mm. sonic mm. explosion and percussion and clatter, but it's but this is all absolutely cookie cutter on the sixteen beat yeah. or on the eight beat, right? Then it's put through this kind of refining machine of Prince's maturity and all the directions he's taken. And it comes out absolutely reconstituted and as something mature and extraordinary as dance on, it seems to me. Yeah. It's a much more it's a much nicer branch than No More Candy for You and Tonight I Love Everybody. Definitely. But you're right in that he's got a couple of the a couple of these kind of like the cartoonish things, and I'm not entirely sure that they're not like I would put them. I I can see the link back to this one as well. I'd put it quite closely with things like Horny Toad and yeah, Rockabilly. Oh yeah, the, the, and what's the other one? Sorry, Glam Slam and Horny Toad. And can't stop this feeling I got. Yeah, I the kind of Rockabilly. Yeah, and I mean, around this time, Delirious as well, and No mm. Call You, and yeah. all of that good stuff. But, but yeah, I, like, why put Ronnie Talk to Russia on the album? I mean, I love it just because it's a transition 
and because and because it's about to explode into an absolute monster truck it's like you know the trend the, it's worth it just for that meltdown and then shut the fuck up here's let's work one of the best baselines he's ever come up with full stop right 100% that baseline is immense also <laughs> and, uh, and when he was interviewed with the bass uh, guitar magazine i believe they said that they thought that he was asking about which baseline of yours is your favorite and he said that this one was because nobody played it like him and the slinkiness of it is it's so good it's so it's um for me this is the part of the trilogy on this album so you've got controversy which is the sort of up-tempo proto proto techno slightly more synthy sort of funk tune the archetypal prince tune you've got uh, do me baby which is this uh, building this is you know how i'm going to do ballads this is a moment to your ballad it's longer and so on and so forth and then you've got a stomping only prince could do it this way funk 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 track the the key word being stomping and that's a certain thing with prince and I, to me these those three songs are kind of the the three pillars of this album that are definitely not cartoon that are solid mm. artifacts of a time where he was developing something and building something that would become yeah his huge estate this is a huge part of the minneapolis sound isn't it the synth that just the big synth slabs on this song the way they punch in and out the way they fit around um the the, the way they come in dance around the end of the instrumental after chorus and then come out again uh, drop out again that's like all paving the way for the time and that part of the minneapolis sound mm. it's so tight so texturally it's so it's it's yeah i agree this is a real building block for him i i don't think i'm as mad on this song as the rest of you get out go to your room okay you you were tolerant and you listened to me on do me baby so i'm duty bound to listen to you but tread carefully no 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 no, no i'm joking i'm joking <laughs> i'm joking i'm joking go ahead I don't dislike it. I, yeah, I'm not. Okay. I'm not as hard as you were with "Do Me, Baby." I, I don't. Not many people. <laughs> yeah, I don't dislike it. I love the bassline. I, I agree. I think it's one of the best basslines he's ever written, and I really enjoy this song when it comes on at Prince Pies and it's really, really loud. I get into it then, but when it comes on on a shuffle playlist or something like that. I listen to the bass and even like the 12 inch because the bass goes on for longer. You got that longer introduction where the bass just kind of goes and I stay with it. And then when the vocals come in, wow. I just, I skip. Oh, I'm sorry. That's I amazing skip. to me. There, again, Let's Work is one of those songs that I'm never anything other than utterly delighted to hear. I just, I, wow. You know, that's all good. It's all good. When it's really loud at a party or something, I absolutely adore it. It's got this really brilliant way of bringing people together and it's kind of got that chorus that is almost like a chant and everyone's kind of chanting along and I love it in that context. But when I'm just at home or going about my business and it comes on, it just doesn't quite hit the spot for me as a casual listening track. I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, Chopin's being nice. No, no, I can understand why, like, one scenario would be, like, you totally get it, and one scenario where you would be like, okay, 
I get that this is a good song, but this is not for now. Um, yeah. I, I can understand that, but when you've got it on and you're walking down the street with headphones on, Banging. try catwalk modeling. Try catwalk yeah. modeling to it. It is like it might as well have been spelled W E R K. You know, like like yeah. let's work, you know, let's work well, because because I'm I'm telling you, like I I I am he- I'm stomping heel to toe when I'm walking there. Let's work. Wasn't the st- wasn't it actually wanted Prince wanted it to spell F be spelled F U C K. He wanted to call it Let's Fuck, didn't he? Have you heard that story? Oh, did he? I believe I've not heard that story. I'm um. I've certainly heard that from a few places that he wanted to call it Let's Fuck and the label wouldn't let him. And I'm really glad they didn't. Yeah, I think it would have distorted. I mean, maybe I'm I'm wrong, in which case, why am I making up such filthy stories? But uh... it doesn't sound out of the, you know, he was wanted to call Vanity Vagina. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Beyond the realms of possibility, the prince wanted to call something Let's Fuck. Not not even We Can Fuck. But but maybe. Now I'm doubting myself. What? What? Let's go. It, it doesn't matter because it's not called that. But it's. But you're right. It could be spelt with a W E R K, and that's what it sounds like. Yeah, that's like that's worked. Because it's almost like to be real. You know, like it's. Yeah. It takes it somewhere different. It's a disco. You know, like what you think? No, you know, like I have my eyes on you. And then another of those early Prince tracks, long before he used horns, where you've just got the synths doing brilliant horn lines, essentially. But you know, and and they just sound they sound terrific on synth because of his arrangements and the way they swell and pop in and out. And again, you know, yeah, a bit big part of the Minneapolis sound for sure. It's. Uh, I'm wow. Yeah, I don't know what to say about that, Leah. You're allowed. You're allowed. I'm sorry. You're allowed. You're allowed. Um, oh, and by this the way, the, of love. the the twelve inch is just great because there's more of it. But um, the 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 twelve inch does have a couple of really shonky edits on it, which is weird. Which I'm absolutely fine with because it's just like it's punky in its way. But I wonder why the edits are quite so bad as they are on. On that version, I think it's when it goes into the extended bit. The transition is yeah. like could have been done by a four-year-old, and then there's uh, when he starts sampling himself for the first time. Probably on he puts yeah. a sample of controversy and Annie Christian in there, and it's kind of like so amateur that it becomes charming actually. But it does take you out of the groove for half a moment. Doesn't he do a sample of sexy dancer in there as well? I think he does. It's almost like the origins of bat dance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, another proto thing. Well, yeah, I, yeah there's a lot tape, of first ha- tape edits are hard. You know, tape edits are a lot harder than uh, Pro Tools edits. That's all I'll say on that. That is true, but like, it's rare to find edits that are as bad as that on most pro records of the time. I would say. Uh, yeah, I would agree with you, but then I think he's he was working at a much faster pace with a lot less critical thinking you know like uh, behind it and i th- i think there's like you know there's there's something to be said about like the perfectionist prince and there is an element of that but there's a lot of kind of messy kind of ends of artworks edits and stuff like that as well it's kind of audacious i like it you know but also if you've got if you've got if the tapes but you know if the sample you've got is running at the wrong time speed and you've taped it in there's that other physical thing about working with tape that like you've got this sample that you've cut it, that you're cutting in and then you realize that actually it's not as exact in the 
tape speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you've done a really exact edit, it sounds chunky. Oh, for sure. As I well. mean, he just, uh, yeah. it, 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 they're just glaring, that's all. Yeah, but the, the absolutely. 12, the 12 inch is magnificent. So, you know, Prince, you're allowed. Oh, more than. <laughs> more than. Actually, uh, I think I prefer the 12 inch. You yeah. prefer more of the song you don't like very much. I get it. No, I understand. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't explain it. <laughs> you've got a you've got a com- you've got a strange relationship with that's work, Leah. This is true. <laughs> That'd be a great segue if that was the next track, but it's not. <laughs> you have to wait a couple of albums for that one. But the next track is, in fact, Annie Christian. Oh yeah, I love this track. It's so bizarre and it's so atonal and it's so. It's that, it's that you know that in no key and there's and there's this the thing in the again like with sexuality the breakdown is fantastic when it just goes into that do, 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 this driving thing it's like this strange thing finally finds its groove just as it's ending it's I think strange thing is a brilliant brilliant description of it actually it is just a strange little beast isn't it and I thought it worked really well live, which if I'd listened to this, listening to the album, I was just like, how the fuck are you going to do this live? And then I This then is I what the I'm bootleg. saying about the, the controversy tour, the potential on that tour. I mean, yeah. it, did, it did throw this in now and again. It was such a well-balanced set of songs from this first four albums. It was really underrated. Well, I'm saying that. No, I, other people may like it as well, but it just... I think it because of what came after became so definitive that this the kind of the lot I think people kind of lost how good live this kind of stuff was, if you know what I mean. I for me this is like a bit of a sort of dark anomaly. Um, mm. it, it's I love it, like what you say about the atonal stuff and the way that it starts with the. I think it's a bit of a sort of drum machine thing initially. And then, yeah, it's kind of like a bit of a sort of nightmare fuel fever dream-ish thing and then goes into this atonal. It's almost a... No, rant's the wrong word. But obviously he's talking about very specific issues. And I don't know, the way it's... It's not so much that he's doing it, it's the way he's executing it. It, it, it's just really anomalous for me, is this one. But that's what makes it absolutely brilliant, and that's what makes it typically pretty. I, I like that intro that you were just talking about. Where da, 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 da. You don't know where it's going to land and start punching you. Yeah. It's like but you something... know it is. Oh, you That's are, the you thing do. is you don't doubt that it's going to land on something good when you hear it. Oh, it's, uh, this is just prime, prime, exquisite, extraordinary, brilliant prints for me. Like, this is the sister song or a cousin song of Bob George. This is a cousin of Tambourine in a funny way. It's just a little funky, shuffling, weird artifact. Mm. There's that word again, but um, what else? Um, there's other, like, there's nothing that's My Little like Pill had you, those, like, strange, just little two minutes of weirdness. Yeah, but, but even for me, the ones that have got drums in as well, so like Bob George, Tambourine, yeah, there's yeah. another one that I've just. This is far more developed than those two songs, yeah. Um, but, like, this one, it, this is just from oh and yeah, all the critics. This is like a precursor of all the critics for me. It, because yes, it, yeah, it, yeah. This, yeah. this is just like angry, weird genius in a room at night railing against something urgent, and like you know, like all the critics is like in my top twenty print songs. Full stop. 
It's amazing. Uh, because it's amazing. And uh, Annie Christian, uh, Bob George is too, actually. Annie Christian probably isn't, but it's probably in my th- top 30. But um, maybe it's in my top 20 or something. It's just, it's all intent and attitude and stuff that no one else, it, it's just a way of seeing the world that no one else has. It kills me dead. It's like, I'll live my, the flat tone, I'll live my life in taxi cabs. It's frightening, you know. It's like, it's just like, it's a mad, mad drive down the highway at night with no lights on or something. It's Fight Club, you know, it's Fight Club. I want to do a playlist of those songs now that you've said that. Like, I want to listen, I want to listen to those two back to back. I want to listen to Annie Christian and all the critics back to back now. Yeah, seriously. Um, Sorry, what uh, were you saying, Leah? I interrupted. It kind of has essence of those kind of weird Kate Bush album tracks. Mm. Mm-hmm. When you think of like Waking the Witch and yeah, things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of have a similar feel to me. But one thing that did just hit me, which I didn't realise, is in my head, I thought that it was one of the short tracks. And actually, I've just gone on Spotify to see how long it is. And it's four minutes, 22. And in oh, my head, doesn't feel like I had it, at it all. being... No. Yeah, no, I had it down as like two and a half minutes, three minutes, not yeah. like yeah. four and a half at all. I, that that surprises me too. It feels like two and a half because it just keeps moving and it's kinetic. Yeah. Um, but the, I got to tell you, there was a kid at school, right? Who um, he wasn't a Prince fan particularly, but uh, for some reason, I guess we were playing Controversy, and he heard Annie Christian, and he fell for it so hard. He made a 90-minute cassette tape of wall-to-wall Annie Christian, both sides, and would just sit on the bus to, like, um, you know, games and stuff, listening to Annie Christian over and over. It just This kind of gives me a Stranger Things. Like, you know, like at the end of Stranger Things, like... Again, that Kate Bush thing. Exactly. Well, yeah, like that's all that, that witchy kind of... This is the song that's protecting him from a demon or something. That's great. This is, like... This is probably his first truly unclassifiable song. Mm. Maybe sexuality, mm. actually. Sexuality is. This takes it yeah, a bit further, but like, I, I think ah, I don't know. I'm saying that Paddy's not looking convinced. I, I, yeah, I think um, controversy contains his first truly unclassifiable stuff, and at the apex of that would be any Christian and sexuality for me. Mm. Yeah, I'd go with that. Yeah, yeah, I'd go with that. Because I'm trying to think of stuff on... Uh, the only thing that would be undefiable would be stuff on Dirty Mind. And even things like Sister are kind of still within, well within the realms of rockabilly. You know, like... Sister starts to push it a bit, Head pushes yeah. it a bit, but I think it gets weirder on this one. I, I mean, I think Head is one of his greatest songs. That's in my yeah, top 20. It's still but... kind of... still got, like, kind of you know, sidelines to like Funkadelic and stuff. But yeah, yeah, you're right. This is true experimental. Can, can I just make take a moment to say, and I like to think about this from time to time, and maybe I'm making a point. That we, I really like Prince. I'm really, really, really into Prince, guys. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, he's no Michael Jackson. No, 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 I'm joking. <laughs> oh, dear. No, 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 no. I, I, I put myself in the fire line and offered Dini Baby. I'm not going down that direction. But, um, yeah, he's, like, this is the thing. It's like how, how we've spent longer talking about the album than it takes to listen to it. Yeah. Like, 
like there's more to say about the album than just to play it and listen to it It, very much so and that's even without going into like the artwork itself and what's written in the artwork for the newspapers and this is after we've all had decades to digest it yeah but again it it, you know it, it it rewards decades it stands up it's great art and then you then you take that kind of airy menacing uh sound and you and you kind of like jack and jill went up the hill yeah (laughs) (laughs) jack and jill went up the hill to you know rock and billy beat yeah to fetch fetch a quote-unquote pail of water yeah exactly it's like bring out what's been in me for far too long come on exactly and 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 that only takes two minutes or so does it even take two minutes Three minutes nine. Yeah. Oh, I think of it as like two minutes. Maybe that's so that's even a lot shorter than I thought. Jack, you off, guys. What do you reckon? It was not an offer. It's a I invite to a discussion. I do you know what I. Paddy's lost it again. Paddy's in a got, very, very, just, very filthy mood tonight. We're not. We're not even doing double entendres. We're doing like single literally offers. Like, single entendres. It, it's true. We're just talking about sex. The, the spirit of uh, the spirit of Kenneth Williams and Sid James is uh, just <laughs> hit, hit with us tonight. Exactly. Um, I'm feeling very Barbara Windsor myself, but um, yeah, it's. The first time I heard this, I remember, was on the BBC Omnibus. They were, I think they were repeating it or something, or playing it. Uh, my, and this was before I was a Prince fan. I remember watching Top of the Pops and liking the, they showed Top of the Pops and that week, and it, it was brilliant. And later that night, my sister uh, really wanted to watch the Prince Omnibus and I hadn't, I think this was 91, 92. I hadn't got into Prince yet because it was her cup. Like she was, she had a copy of Diamonds and Pearls that, uh, that I hadn't listened to. Well. So she was getting into a kind of like, oh, Prince is kind of cool phase. And I was like, okay, I'll watch this with you because I, I really enjoyed the Madonna omnibus. And I remember them, tu- my dad tuning in hearing that clip of Jack You Off from Love Sexy Tour, that I now know is the Love Sexy Tour, and then, oh, no, no, I think it was from the Dirty Mind in Paris or something, and then kind of, like, going, no, we're not watching this. And and that's all I knew about Prince, and I I remember listening to that song. So it was one of those songs I knew before I was a fan. And when I finally got to kind of listen to the Love Sexy version and the one on the album, it's just like... It's like, oh, okay, this is what the whole song sounds like. And it was like, there's not much more than that first little kind of da, 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 da. I'll jack you up. But um, I still loved it. It was just still, um, it's still, because it got such a reaction, like from uh, like from someone that they had to turn it off immediately and turn it over immediately. So you're not listening to it. I think I was like one of those things. I was more attracted to it than if I'd just found it myself. I always find it interesting having listened back to the um, the night he got booed off supporting the Rolling Stones. He plays like he does Bambi without using a falsetto, so it just struck me right. So like it's, it's insane, his Prince, even when he was doing absolutely batshit crazy. So he yeah. does his his guitar track 
without using the falsetto. And you think, well, at least he's got his head on and he's thinking, right, I'm going to do what I can to appeal without sort of yeah. bastardizing what I do. But then but then he just does jack you off as jack you off. And there was never going to be any other result from that crowd in that stadium at that time who were there for that headline band. But it's like, oh my God, you are fucking awesome for just doing it. I don't <laughs> care. It's just the most awesome thing ever. Out of interest, did he make it as far as getting to the line? As a matter of fact, you can jack me off by any chance. <laughs> if I remember correctly, he, he he walked off after Jack you off, and then the band yeah. played a bit of Uptown sort of yeah. instrumentally, and then and then it all just sort of fell apart. But but yeah, you got to admire him. I mean, God, just yeah. in terms of I think that was the second night as well. Yeah, yeah. That's why he did the because uh, that recording I think is from the second night because that's when he kind of like, which was interesting because I think he may have made the decision to go. Okay, I won't sing in falsetto. Like probably tried it the first night, got booed, but I'll do it in low key. And everybody was like, you can hear someone in the crowd going, "Oh well, this is all right." And then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, oh. Yeah. And then Jackie off comes on. It's like, oh, oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> it confuses me that people can show up being a Mick Jagger fan and then find Prince too camp or whatever they think. I don't think it was that. I think he wasn't allowed to be like that because he was black. Yeah, there's that. And there's I also think it was a race thing, I'll be honest. I, I think it was a race thing. And then there was also um what however shocking Mick Jagger and the boys were back in the day had just become part of Canon and Toothless as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, not toothless, but it's become it's become establishment in a way that Prince yeah. Prince was the next new things. You know, those those same people who threw stuff at Prince and his band, if they'd seen the Stones back in, if they'd been twenty years younger, twenty five years younger, and seen the Stones, they might have felt the same way. It's that sort of mentality yeah. that was scared of the new thing. But by the time the Stones are into the eighties, they're not the new thing. But I think ma- massive racial, racial element, huh? I imagine if half the fans that were at the Purple Rain tour, if they'd just seen that one performance, would probably be one of the people going, Bleh. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like it was the, it wasn't until later when they realized yeah, what, he found yeah. a way to get make himself palatable and to yeah. cross over, but he did have to cross over in that, you know in that racially music divided America. Mm-hmm. He certainly wasn't going to do it in bikini briefs and with this and I mean, good, yeah. Just he was which never is anywhere. ironic when you re- which is ironic when you realise that Rolling Stones is essentially kind of a yeah absolutely black, black music. Uh, uh, of, <laughs> like, of, uh, oh, of course, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, like, all it's like, so ironic when, when you're dealing with idiots. There's a lot of irony. Well, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. you know, um, yeah, when yeah. you're dealing with ignorance. Um, to come back to the song for a moment, this is fine by me. It's not anything other than fine, uh, uh, you know, fine plus. But like, I don't particularly like the synth toms that kind of introduced this song. And it, like, in comparison to everything else on the album, this is the only one that feels flat-footed to me and a bit lumbery and cumbersome. But hey, it's mm. a it's a throwaway piece of nonsense, and it's it's a fine it's a fine way to get out of this album. And it's a, a strange little song is an appropriate way to end this strange album. Mm, yeah, definitely. I, I just think you can't go wrong with it in a way. A uh, little rock and roll. It's just lovely. I, I think oh. it's too, it's sort of too sweet 
to be sh- overly shocking in a way. It's done with a very much a nod and a wink and a grin. It's silly. It's a bit of silly. silly. Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, is a, it is kind of a curate's egg of an album, isn't it? Because Dirty Mind essentially has one very cohesive sound. And controversy yeah. is starting to introduce a whole bunch of fragments it's, and elements. It controversy is all over the place, but with it's slightly more limited by the sounds and the technology at the time. I think it's controversy. That's where it comes across to me. Possibly the the band that he had at the time and how evolved they were playing together and and so on and so forth. Um, there's um, a sorry. No, no, go on. It's cool. I'm just thinking about another first on the controversy album. Does anyone know what I'm thinking of in relation to Jack you off? Is it going to be the spelling? You. It's the first. It's the first spelling of it's the first Prince you. Bonnex they used to be called. Yeah. He doesn't even do it on Ronnie Talk to Russia. Two is spelt T O, but mm. the very first oh. the very first Prince idiosyncrasy spelling is in Jack oh. you off. Yeah, and like like um. What's isn't is there a song with the word uh you in a on um dirty mind? What am I thinking? Let me of? Have a look. I'm gonna uh, have a look. Can't think straight. Um, maybe there's not, but but anyway, if there is that it that it's spelt fully. Oh, yeah, no, no, there's of course there is. It's when you were mine. That's the difference between dirty mind and controversy. When you were mine is yeah. you. yeah, and then so Jack the you off is the first you, and it's like, oh, hello, another piece of the puzzle falls into place. It's brilliant. It's well, like, there's, there's I feel for you as well. That's a you, uh, why, why are you exactly? Exactly, yeah. and so um, I'm not to be too antagonistic, but I'm going to kind of dig into my heels with my earlier assumption that this is the start of a new three thing, uh, that this is kind of part of Prince's solidifying an identity over the next three albums to become a star. In the sense that the first three albums are in finding the ingredient, uh, uh, finding the ingredients. The next three albums are about taking those ingredients and making the star out of him. No, and... the f- Dirty Mind is the album where he finds the is the first. I, I got I got to go with the fault line where Paddy puts it. Dirty Mind is the breakthrough, and then it's all development from there. For me, yeah, I, f- I fall on that side. I think the bit where I would concede is I think it's obvious that in on controversies using components from all three other albums. That's what I'm saying. So, is so that... he's, he's he's doing that, but the the one that was the the one that was the quantum leap for Prince being Prince was Dirty Mind. Yeah, I mean. that's the new, that's the new bit, right? I I think so as well. Yeah, but yeah. again, it's all very subjective. So yeah, controversy album. The thing that struck me about about it when you guys have been talking about it and me thinking about what you're saying when you're saying it is just how it's eclectic in a slightly different way. It's not eclectic like Sign of the Times is eclectic. It's it feels like it's eclectic within a sort of narrower band of of, of sonic possibilities, mm. but it is really really eclectic. I love the idea of the the sort of trilogy within the album, and then a few sort of curated oddities. Mm. It's it, it's a fun, I mean, not that I didn't come into this absolute loving this album. I completely did. I think it's underrated because it sits between yeah. two absolute mammoth albums. Masterpieces, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think it's just that. I think it's also that. Purple Rain, uh, 1999, so much so has its own identity. And Dirty Mind, so much so has its own yeah. identity. And they're completely different. Whereas for me, Controversy sits in the middle and it's a little blend of both sides. Yeah, true. And so it kind of gets lost, I, I think. think. So when I think it's that through, as well. Yeah, yeah, I, that, that makes I, sense. Again, to me, 
that may be the most important factor to me is the daffy, wacky, mad prince that's introduced in controversy because that's another that like that's a really important piece of the gun that is assembling for 1999, the battleship. The other thing about the album, I think this is the first one where he start. You, you can hear he's starting to grow up without being too tacky. He's starting to grow up on this album yeah. and, and think in broader planes. I remember Susan Rogers talking extremely passionately about Sound of the Times. Of course you would. But he said she said the different the difference was when he opened with in Francis Skinny Man Died of a Big Disease with a Little Name on stage when he's doing... Yeah. And the, 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 she said that was a huge leap because that was Prince the Man as opposed to Prince the Boy. Mm, so everything that came before that was Prince the Boy. That was Prince the Man. To me, this was the first step in that journey. Interesting. Yeah. It, it, I always kind of like put this album alongside, say, like Around the World in a Day, that is one of those albums that sits between like kind of heavyweight uh, albums, but contains heavyweight songs, but yeah. isn't always classed as a heavyweight album, but is uh, amazing, just like Around the World Th- in a this, Day. This is the thing. Uh, if I've said that about It Sits Between Two Mammoths, in my opinion, I'm being careful before I actually say this. I'm processing before dum, I say dum, this. Dum, 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 but I dum, think dum, dum. I think Dirty Mind and 1999 don't have a song on them as strong as Controversy the song. Ooh, that's interesting. That's a different podcast. <laughs> and that's the perfect way to end. That's a different podcast. So everybody, thank you for being with us on the this uh, journey of this transitional journey of this album. Thank you for everyone. Um, thank you all, Paddy, Leah, Andy, for being involved. And we'll hope to see you on the next one. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Keep busting. <laughs> Cheers. Good night.